Welcome to the Beyond Capital Podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. Now, more than ever, shareholders are demanding the integration of social values and causes in everything from shoes to soap to investments. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. And this is the Beyond Capital Podcast. Today's guest is Christina Keller, President and CEO of Cascade Engineering. Christina's company, Cascade, is a family-owned manufacturing and plastics business based in Michigan with 14 locations around the U.S. and Hungary. Cascade works in a variety of industries, including transportation, recycling services, office seating, and large-scale plastic molding. She started her career in consulting and healthcare technology before joining Cascade, a company founded by her father in the 1970s. Let's dive in. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love to kick it off by painting a picture of Cascade Engineering's core business. Can you describe a little bit about what the company does? Right. So we are a triple bottom line organization. We focus on people, planet, and profit in all of our decisions as we move forward. As mentioned, we're a diversified large tonnage injection molder uh, in a variety of different industries, including transportation, auto and truck, uh, furniture, logistics, um, and other areas. And the core fabric that leads us together is the large tonnage injection molding, but also uh, the care for people, planet, and profit in all of our decisions. That's that's super impressive, and I, I imagine that drives you personally as the CEO of the company. Can you tell us what gets you up excited to lead Cascade Engineering every single day? Absolutely, and, and for me, a, a large piece of that is our people. Uh, I really am passionate about the the employees that we have in our organization. And we've done a lot of work at uh, reinvesting in the training and development of our individuals. And we've also opened the door a little wider than maybe other organizations have been willing to do. Um, we've hired now over a 1,000 people uh, from prison um, and also from welfare backgrounds. Um, and we support them with services around um, uh, social workers on site and the ability to have access to public transportation. Uh, we're now unrolling a housing program to help with down payment assistance um, for our employees. And we're working to have them have career ladders throughout the organization so they can start as an entry-level um, operator and, and could progress up into even the management ranks of the organization. And so uh, for me, hands down, it's the people um, in our organization that, that make me um, excited, but also a lot of the things around the planet and the things that we're doing. People often think that plastics is not a environmentally friendly area, um, and I talk a lot about materiality and using the right materials for the right purposes, and plastic is never intended to be a single-use product. Um, it, it's around for hundreds of years, and so used for applications, uh, that need to be around and be durable. So durable products, which are what we create across the board, is actually a great material. And for example, with our carts, we've made over 30 million rolls of the cart trash and recycle containers, as well as organic. Um, and uh, at the end of the life, uh, we typically take those back, regrind them, and put them into our next cart. 
Um, and so we're able to have a full uh, cradle-to-cradle life cycle uh, with our with our products. Um, and uh, the, the plastic is a durable product that allows it to um, uh, be something that can persist um, in its application. And our carts have a 10-year warranty. So uh, for me, as you mentioned, triple bottom line, keep a planet profit. People are very exciting, but the planet's pretty right up there as well. Has your company always been focused on people, planet, and profit, or is that something relatively new for you? It was part of the inception. So uh, we've been around for over 40 years, and our founder um, had a passion for this. The triple bottom line terminology probably came around in the 80s or 90s for us, and so we've been publishing a triple bottom line report tracking and measuring ourselves uh, on the progress relative to our goals and objectives. Um, but really, it was part of the, the initial founding as the purposes of the organization. Um, uh, we had our, our founder, Fred Keller, my father, was uh, uh, a Methodist, and, and he, one of the quotes he had was, do all the good you can to all the people you can for as long as ever you can. And so uh, a core principle of that foundation or, or tenant was... Um, uh, doing good to others, uh, and that evolved into doing good for the environment, uh, doing good for the people in our organization and in our communities and beyond. I think it's so fascinating when companies focus so much on their people. I had the good fortune of uh, meeting Bob Chapman. He would talk about how so much social good could be done just by sending your people home at night, you know, feeling good about their work, feeling good about themselves, being energized, being there for their families when they get home. Um, and I, that just really pumps me up. That kind of a that kind of an approach for for a business like yours. Absolutely, and people um, spend a lot of time in their work environment. And so one of our goals is to be an employer of choice, a place where you choose to go, and you're not saying on Wednesday, uh, you know, it's in just getting over the home for a happy Friday or other things. That you're really passionate and, and engaged on on what you're doing and. And then it, 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 they say, obviously, you, you don't never work a day in your life if you enjoy what you do. So having people profit and planet at the center of your company ultimately led you to go through the B Corp certification. And uh, you've pointed out to me that you are one of, one of the only B Corporations in manufacturing. Can you talk more about why you decided to go through the process and also what effect it had on the company? Well, we're a group full of engineers, and we love metrics, and we love data. Um, and so we really wanted to, to know how uh, to measure some of these things that are relatively squishy. Um, you know, when you talk about your social impact, your environmental impact, um, it's difficult to come to agreement of what's the value of a person or a tree or something along those lines. And so always looking at best practices of how others are um, are looking at uh, the metrics relative to uh, the environment and people. And so um, uh, Fred actually came along uh, with the, uh, uh, met some of the people from, from B Lab and talked to them about what they were trying to accomplish. And I think for us it was twofold because already we were focused on, on being a purpose-driven organization. But for us it was, one, um, having those metrics available so that we can improve what we're doing and, and get better over time. And so it's um, uh, we have seen our B score grow as we've continued to learn and, and adapt with it and understand um, how we can improve in different areas. One of the major areas uh, it opened us up to was looking at our supply base and how we can 
ask um, similar things of our supply base that we're doing internally. So that was a big uh, growth area for us. The second piece was really to be part of a community. Um, uh, we were a bit out in front of uh, the purpose-led organization um, uh, movement, and so having a, uh, a partnership with others in this space that are passionate about making a positive impact through business um, and looking at how we can practice capitalism differently, having that um, uh, group was a uh, an interesting point for us as well, and so we have been engaged in uh, various different activities um, related to um, real leaders and B corporations and others to be able to expand our um, uh, network and partnership and, and support others uh, that are working. And when did you go through the B Corp process? I believe it was probably over 10 years ago. And it's, so we've been a part of it for, for quite a while. Yeah, that's really, that's really um, impressive. And my company's actually going through the process as well. And um, it's, we're a much smaller business, so it's not as big of a, of a um, problem. But definitely, um, you know, along the different aspects of the environmental impact and social impacts and so on, it is uh, very me- metrics-driven and, you know, gives you a way to track your progress from year to year. You've mentioned that you've incorporated more recycled plastics into your products and, and um, that the, the kind of environmental impact is very key to you. Who, tell us who has initiated these changes within, within the company. Well, I think um, innovation for us comes from any area. And so we have actually a, um, a group called Noble Polymers, which does uh, compounding. And they initially have been looking at different ways that we could bring um, additional contaminated um, uh, end-of-life product into our processes, maybe even using compatibilizers to um, make them more relevant for HDPE um, and how we can increase our alternative materials. So we have our engineers involved in that. We have our chemists involved in that. Um, We've also been working with some outside groups, UBQ, who came to us through um, a connection with, uh, I believe, the Closed Loop uh, Fund and some other groups. Um, and UBQ is actually taking trash and making it into plastic so that we can ultimately have a carbon-negative um, uh, product available for sale, which is pretty exciting. Um, so it's, it's really looking at our entire carbon footprint, looking at use of recycled content, um, and an overall impact that we're having on, on both the uh, uh, climate footprint as well as our zero waste to landfill initiative and all of our facilities we're, we're driving towards and in many cases at zero waste um, into the landfill from our manufacturing facilities. And when you established those partnerships, was it your board? Was it you as, as the president and CEO? Who, who was really helping to drive that decision? I think ultimately there is buy-in from all levels, the stakeholders, the board of directors, the management, and the executive council to be able to foster and grow those ideas. Um, But as I mentioned, innovations can really come from anywhere. We had one uh, that came up from Jeff Cotton, one of our engineers. We have another that came to us through uh, a partnership on the outside. Um, uh, One of our, um, more on the people side, but the pink cart. Uh, was the brainchild of Joanne Perkins, who's one of our business unit leaders for 
um, uh, for the trash containers and recycling containers, and she was impacted by breast cancer because her mother and grandmother both passed away um, uh, of breast cancer. And so to celebrate their um, uh, birthdays and um, to celebrate the fact that she had uh, passed through and had not um, had breast cancer, she made a pink cart for breast cancer awareness. And a dollar for every cart goes to um, cancer research. It also has information on the top about uh, remember, you get your mammogram. It's a pink cart with the ribbon on the side. Uh, so you might even see those being rolled to the curb across the nation. And, it, and it's potentially going to win the coolest um, uh, innovation in Michigan award this year. So we're pretty excited about the, the pink cart. But that was an idea that somebody had uh, within our organization, and, and we fostered it. Because um, innovation can come from anywhere. And as long as you have an environment that fosters the growth of those ideas, uh, we, we were excited that now we've um, had over $500,000 uh, raised towards uh, breast cancer awareness from somebody's idea uh, from within the organization. Yeah, that's a perfect example of how one of your employees has kind of been involved in product design and have, have a stake in the purpose. I imagine that your employees are... Uh, are, are proud and impressed by this also the, the zero waste and the carbon negative products that you produce. So I think for me, one of the, one of Cascade Engineering's mantras that I love is that the company takes an approach worth standing for. I can't imagine that has been an easy pathway. Can you talk about some of the tensions that you've navigated when instituting a triple bottom line approach? Sure, and obviously there's there's been um, you know false starts and, and difficulties along the way, um, and I think even with some of our success stories, there's um, areas where um, you know you lose your way for a little bit and then and then find it again. Um, one of the ones that was I, I think the most um, uh, powerful is the work that we've done on the um, uh, prisoner reentry work, and when you look at the stats, um, our state has 9,000 people coming back um, from prison, back into society every year. Um, and a lot of times those people don't even have state-issued IDs. And so if you think about the difficulty and the, the false starts of trying to find a job uh, when you, you can't get a home because you can't get a loan because you don't have a home and then you, you can't get a driver's license and don't have an ID because you don't have a home, and just the compounding impact it is. Um, Talent 25 showed that if you have a job and a home, you're 90% uh, less likely to go back to jail. But yet we have very high recidivism rates um, where people are, are going back into the system. We're spending billions of dollars every year from the state uh, to be able to incarcerate people. Um, and we're really not focused on how those people are going to come back and transition into society and be successful. And so... Um, one of the programs that, that we have is to support, um, uh, you know, prison reentry. And one of the individuals, um, Jahan McKinley, who started in, he's one of our early uh, people through the program, started on the production floor, went all the way through um, uh, the program of our PFC, became a plant manager, is now down in Texas working on our lean implementation and actually gave a, um, a wonderful talk on TEDx called Transitional Rebirth. And it was all about his, journey of coming back and the, the false starts and the and the difficulties, but the persistence 
that that he showed and the ability that he had to wade through those barriers and overcome those barriers uh, to be successful in the work environment. And now he has a, a wife and two young kids, um, and they're just doing wonderfully. And it's just so great to hear the stories um, of individuals that have um, that have moved through and have navigated through all the difficulties um, uh, within within society and within our organization. And obviously, there's some that have come through and maybe not um, made it to the level that that Jahan has. But um, uh, I think it's 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 a testament to the um, to the resilience and the persistence um, that individuals do have. Christine, I'm wondering. I'm I'm. I, you know, 100% convinced I see the big impact uh, that that type of a program can have. Since you do measure everything, I'm just curious, you know, maybe just uh, if you could get, shed some light on, is that type of a hiring, you know, process and, and sort of total cost of employee comparable to a standard hiring process or is it more expensive or is it less expensive? Well, if you look at it from an aggregate perspective. In the manufacturing industry, manufacturing ranks dead last in terms of what high schoolers want to go into. 52% of the Gallup poll says that they want no, little or no interest in manufacturing. Uh, they rank at seven out of seven in their career choices. Um, and so uh, we're also seeing if you do get millennials to come in uh, to your employment, they typically uh, average tenure is about two years. Um, if, if you get all the way through that process. And so um, the cost of turnover is actually quite a bit, especially if you have a young person that you're investing a lot of uh, resources, training, uh, talent, et cetera, to get up to speed to kind of be filling that hole again. It, it, it's difficult in the manufacturing industry. I believe they're saying that there's about 2.5 million jobs that will likely go unfilled in manufacturing in the next number of years which is a combination of no interest uh, from incoming talent as well as uh, lack of STEM programming and STEM talent uh, development in our, in our pipelines. And so um, really it's, it's twofold. One is uh, you're giving someone an opportunity. We have 20 million people uh, in the U.S. that are, um, have former felonies, and we have 40 million people living in poverty. Uh, so there are 60 million people that are potentially underemployed and looking for opportunities. Um, in our current pipeline, and everyone's very focused on the millennial talent and how they can attract them. Uh, not that that's not a, a good, worthwhile effort. We want to continue that effort. Um, but one of the things we've said is, you know, we want to focus differently. We want to focus on people that want to be here. Um, we want to support them, and we want to give them opportunities for growth. Uh, and we do find that the average tenure for our former felons and other groups is, is over seven years. So do you support a stronger emphasis on trade schools versus sort of university and colleges then just um, in general to sort of, you know, get people going in that direction? Or is that just sort of not in, in your current thought process? Well, I think it's, it's definitely, we, we support a lot of uh, robotics programs uh, for uh, schools. I think, uh, you know, trade schools are very important. Um, technical training is very important. And um, teaching trades to those that might be on their second career as well. You know, maybe they they studied and, and got a bachelor's or, or went into some area, but then are are, um, are wanting to go into more technical trades. I think manufacturing really has a grand uh, issue. More people should aspire to the technical trades, uh, maintenance, uh, care, because 
realistically, there's some very interesting things going on in manufacturing with product design, CAD, the way that things are going with Industry 4.0, machine learning, uh, vision systems. We need some pretty high-level skill sets uh, to be able to work the, um, uh, the machinery, to be able to keep ourselves uh, moving forward in this uh, revolution. And so, uh, and like you say, you know, everyone wants to go out and sell AdWords, um, but uh, realistically here in West Michigan, there's really great opportunities to make um, beautiful office furniture, um, to make components for um, uh, various different automobiles. Um, there's a lot of different opportunities uh, to make tangible products. And so getting um, students interested in the technical field getting them supported in how they can see a career path in that beyond just, um, you know, thinking of that as a dead-end job. Um, I think that that's, a, that's an important piece as well as taking people who might be on their second career looking at other opportunities and how can we have great training resources that can partner with manufacturing to ensure um, that we're raising the bar and we're not going to lose out to uh, China as they're investing in electric vehicles and other things. Um, that we keep our cutting edge on the innovation side. Christina, I want to pivot a little bit and, and talk about you as a purpose-driven leader. First, just describe to us what does a day look like for you at your company uh, when you're looking at more than the financial bottom line and focusing on people, profit, and planet? Great. Well, um, every day looks a little bit different. <laughs> um, so it's got a lot of different pieces, but I really try to stay focused on our three core areas, which is customer-driven innovation, employer of choice, and operational excellence. Um, so my day could be balanced anywhere between spending time with the customer, ensuring that we're listening to what their concerns are, working with our engineering team on what is the next generation innovation uh, that we can bring in either a product innovation or an innovation of process. Um, and looking at how we can potentially look at additional patents, other things that we can get involved in. Uh, from an employer choice perspective, I always try to attend on Mondays our orientations um, so that we can I can say hello to some of our new um, ads and, and say hello um, and welcome them to the organization. Um, also work at having lunches for uh, employees. We do a little bit of a lottery system, and if somebody has a birthday that month, um, we get them together and do a lunch and get to know each other. So uh, tell a little bit about their background. That's where a lot of our uh, former, formerly incarcerated other people talk about the impact that having a job has had on them and their career. That's one of the most personally enriching conversations that we get to have. And it's fun because we have people from the production floor, from possibly purchasing or HR or finance, uh, leadership staff, um, and, and from out, throughout the organization, the only common bond is that we all have a birthday that month, and it allows us to celebrate each other. We also do our star award at our town halls, where we have a peer-to-peer uh, um, star award winner, and then people come up and, and give gratitude for uh, what that person means to them, and those are some really powerful moments. Um, we actually had the University of Michigan Positive School of Business come in and study some of our practices, and they really appreciated the STAR Award and some of the things we do in orientation, um, such as our diversity theater and other things to uh, help people coming in set the tone for, for what's uh, acceptable within our organization. And so uh, employer choice activities, and the last one's really operational excellence, so ensuring that, um, uh, you know, our, our processes are working well, our 
SNOP process, our materials, our looking at how everything is flowing with our purchasing um, and our supply base, um, and uh, really troubleshooting is a, is a big role that, that you end up in as a leader, um, uh, but also uh, celebrating some of the opportunities of when we've made some, some successes, especially relative to our metrics um, as we continue our journey towards operational excellence. Yeah, thank you. And it's clear to me that you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, so do you feel that focusing on more than just the financial bottom line fuels a greater satisfaction for you as a leader? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, as I continue in my career here, um, you'll obviously be judged at some level on your financial results and what you brought to the organization. But I think your true um, uh, value lies in the lives that you've impacted um, and how you leave your community uh, to the next generation. And so I'm excited about um, the legacy that's been built at Cascade of being a, a participant. Um, one of the things that uh, Fred did was convene a bunch of CEOs uh, in a group called Talent 2025 where we're focused on how are we going to get great talent for our community um, in the future and in other areas where we've come together as a community to say, how can we make a positive impact? And I think those types of things, for example, our, our prisoner reentry program, we were one of the first ones to hire people uh, that were formerly incarcerated. Now there's over 320 companies uh, in, the, in the region that are hiring people um, out of prison. And so not only the impact that you can make personally on your organization, but the impact you can have um, as a partner or peer um, to other organizations and their approach. Yeah, I think setting an example, especially um, being a B Corp and, and with the, the movement of companies that are purpose-driven is extremely powerful and has tremendous potential for social impact. So wrapping up today, we'd love to know what's next for Cascade Engineering, um, particularly on the social impact side, but also on the business side. We'd love to hear more details. Well, I'm pretty excited about um, some of our future areas. One area that we're dipping our toe in um, is uh, smart uh, logistics. And so we have a small group that does RFID encapsulation or ruggedizing of our RFID tags. We also have a business that does bins and pallets for the logistics industry. And so what we're starting to do is as people are moving away from single-use plastics and cardboard for shipment, how can we be part of that um, uh, change and, and also bring in information or data right into your ERP system uh, through logistics and otherwise. So really having smart logistics uh, be something that we can um, help out with as people are, are, you know, bringing product to market, bringing product to other places, uh, being able to have uh, plastic injection molded reusable uh, bin, knockdown bin, pallet, otherwise, uh, that they don't have to be um, using, utilizing all of the waste that we have today with bubble wrap and uh, wooden pallets and other types of um, uh, waste. A lot of waste in the in the cycle right now is packaging. And so how can we help cut down on that waste by providing a returnable, reusable solution? And by the way, getting more data, information relative to the RFID and even embedding sensors. So if you're sending a product, uh, ice cream or something, and you want to know if it's broken a heat cold cycle, you can sense that with some of these new smart pallet technologies. Excellent. 
Christina, thank you so much for your time and for describing to us how your company is focused on the triple bottom line. It's extremely inspiring for us and hopefully for other companies out there. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing as well. I think if everybody shares their story, that can be inspiring to each other uh, to continue on the journey, uh, the worthwhile journey of being a purpose-led organization. Thanks, Christina. Have a great day. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you.